Is it time for a mind shift? If you don't know what that means, then join your host, Dr. Clint Haycock, a former evangelical Christian pastor and Bible college teacher of over 20 years, along the journey of deconstruction and reconstruction of faith, life, religion, and spirituality. Speaking today with Kurt Anderson, author of the 2017 book, Fantasyland, How America Went Haywire at 500-Year History. So thank you, Kurt, for dropping into MindShift Podcast. My pleasure. I have so many questions. I've just finished reading the book. I should say reading it, but I went through it on Audible for the second time just a couple days ago. And I have to say, I really enjoyed the fact that you read the book. I think it adds another sort of layer to it, doesn't it? Well, I appreciate that. You know, I I write novels as well, and and I'm all, I'm fine and with actors reading novels, great, mm-hmm. better than I can do, no doubt. But with, with, if you're writing, if one is writing a nonfiction book, uh, I just I I don't see sort of handing that off to just some reader because you know right. who who knows better than the author how each sentence is supposed to be. That's uh, true. Expressed. Yeah, you have the inflections where they need to be and the. The emphasis comes across, you know, for sure. Before we dive into the thesis of the book, the concept of fantasy, could you define for us when we get into fantasy land, how does fantasy, as you describe it, relate to magical thinking or does it? Yeah, sure it does. And and I wouldn't be too uh, focused on the word fantasy. I just, I like the word fantasy land because, mm-hmm. you know, Disneyland and and uh, and it's a, it, was, it seemed like a good title. But what, what, what I mean by fantasy is certainly it's connected to magical thinking and all kinds of kind of appealing falsehoods, basically, or, mm. or, or, or if not falsehoods, things that are not empirically provable or knowable, but treated as though they are true and knowable. Mm-hmm. Um, so fantasy, lie, fiction, reality becomes fiction, magical thinking, it's it, I mean to encompass all of those things uh, in what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And as we'll find out, I'm sure as you'll, you'll define it for us, America seems to have sort of a corner on that sort of thing that you just described. And fantasies and magical thinking are not unique to humanity for sure, are they? But well, they're, no, they're not unique to America. Americans at all. But yeah. America has has been defined by its weakness for creating and consuming and and believing in them from the get-go mm-hmm. yeah right so i found it fascinating your book begins not with so-called american history but you start off with martin luther and the reformation which as an ex-theologian and an ex-evangelical i thought aha this is interesting you got luther nailing his 95 theses to the door of the church in wittenberg why is it then that the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers that developed out of the reformation why is that so central to the argument of your book because even if one is not an evangelical in America today, or even a religious Protestant, the idea of Protestantism, and really, I guess it would be small p Protestantism, mm-hmm. which is to say this this religion born out of a protest against the establishment, out of this idea, as you say, the priesthood of all believers, where each of us, with he or she and his or her Bible can decide what's real, what's true, what's the religion. There's no dogma. It's up to me. That that idea extended beyond 
God, Jesus, the Bible, and religion is a core of what I'm talking about as part of this American character that I don't need no stinking intellectuals or professors or scientists mm -hmm. or priests or anybody to tell me what's true. It's up to me. So that's really how it's at the core. The, 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 and, and, and Protestantism carried, as I trace, talk about in the book, from, from Martin Luther in 1517 for a century spinning off more extreme versions and still more extreme versions and still more extreme versions of which a, 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 a gang of them become the pilgrims who come right. to come to Massachusetts and mm -hmm. uh, start start north northern North America. Right. So in the absence of a controlling church, as in the Catholic Church, they could stamp out heresy and they absolutely did. I mean, I've been to southern France. One of my favorite periods of history is the Cathars. You know, and they brutally suppressed them in the 13th century, and they could do that. They 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 did do that. But then, as you say, so that that control is lifted, and you say something like, "Now, pious anybody's can say I've heard from God," and no one can say, "No, you didn't," and you can go start your own religion, and no one's to to say you you're not hearing from God or reading the Bible correctly or whatever. Well, precisely, and and this this also this part of of extreme protestantism at the beginning and puritanism in in america which is this this uh but in england as well this this appearance of godliness beyond doing good works or going to church or reading mm -hmm. the bible this this appearance of extreme godliness which is all about a kind of subjective expression of feeling you know again i as I, as I say often in the book, as uh, quoting Thomas Jefferson, my neighbor can believe in no gods or 20 gods as long as he doesn't pick my pocket or break my leg. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. That's, that's tolerance and the limits. As soon as sure. they start breaking my leg or picking my pocket, as they sometimes do, figuratively speaking, um, it's, it's a problem. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, and, and combined with the the again the non-religious idea of American liberty and American freedom and 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 democracy and all the rest, a kind of perfect synergy happens uh, in in extremists with with that that Protestant idea to to mm -hmm. sometimes lead to bad places like as you say inventing your own religion. Uh, and, oh, there's and, so many. <laughs> well, no, and that's that's a that's a place where. Well, I say that America is not uniquely a, 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 a fantasy land. This creation sure. of successful new religions in the last several centuries, certainly, we've done a lot. We, we are the king. We are the, we are the, yeah. we are the place where that happens. Yeah, the cru crucible of most of the wacky new religions. Well, and it's interesting, too, because another aspect of American history, I think people are, are going, well, isn't America exceptional? It's a Christian nation, blah, blah, blah. That's the typical thing. But you picked up this idea of, you know, America is like a, founded on a fantasy that you could just pick up gold and jewels laying around. It was this treasure hunting thing where it was a, almost a get rich quick scheme in a way. That's how it was sold, wasn't it, to the early colonizers. So that's another aspect. Well, totally. And no, it was, I mean, the colonies, both the, the, the southern strip of colonies from Virginia westward and then up north, uh, Boston westward, they were, they were, they were you know, public-private partnerships to, to make money, both of them, even though the pilgrims really had no interest in making money particularly. But yeah, the, the, so there was this northern node of people believed that 
Jesus was about to return to here in North America, that the that the natives were Satan's minions and on and on and on. But in in the South, ironically, perhaps down back then, the 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 the, the Southern English Christians were less religious, were really about, as you say, getting rich overnight because they had been mm -hmm. promised by people who'd never been to America, yeah. essentially. I love that, that part. That there was gold and silver everywhere. Just pick it up. It's it's there. Laying and, around. And, and and it took them a generation of failing to to find it laying around in the dirt in Virginia to decide like, yeah, maybe this isn't happening and we gotta start growing tobacco. But mm. uh so so you have these two nodes, right? This this I'm gonna get rich. I'm gonna change my life and get rich in this new world. And the 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 Bible and 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 all of its supposed prophecies are going to become are going to be realized up here in the north. Yeah. So there you have it. I mean, it's it's like a schematic of America. Right. Yeah, and yet both of those are deeply baked in, aren't they? Because you say you trace those like the the get rich quick scheme that never really goes away, does it? They're almost saying it's over the next hill, it's over the next rise, it's over the next river, it's over the next valley even the California gold rush and then the Alaska gold rush. Right. This is it. This is finally, even generations later, there's still, it's got to be a part of the American dream too as well. Absolutely. And, and you know, even before the California gold rush, which was a, 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 a pivotal moment where, wow, it really happened. We did find gold finally. It is El Dorado. But, but even before that, uh, in, the, in the 1830s, when Alexis de Tocqueville came and did his famous tour of America looking at, American mm -hmm. democracy, he, he, he had never, he, had, he, he noted two big things, those two things, this kind of religious enthusiasm and often fanaticism of the Americans and this commercial obsession of making money, making money, making more money, and, and which distinguished us from Europe uh, from, from mm -hmm. the get-go. And, and even before, as I say, with the California gold rush and the discovery of gold, that convinced everybody that, yep, it's it's really possible and sort of and and gave it uh, put another century or two of juice into that 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 American mm -hmm. engine. Yeah, so interesting that how you start tracing those threads, like you say, part of the DNA of the society. Well, and then reading about your what you talk about the Puritans. I mean, if they were around today, you almost make them sound they're kind of like a fundamentalist Bible cult in a way, aren't they? And here they come, Massachusetts Bay Colony. The classic case study is is Anne Hutchinson, isn't she? So here's this woman on paper, she should be able to do what she did, as you said, because there's no controlling influence, but that wasn't how it went down for Anne Hutchinson at all, was it? No, she's she's a great character. And and as you say, fundamentalist Christian cult, yeah, that's what it was. And, mm -hmm. and, and uh, uh, you know, forming a theocracy when that idea of a theocracy was brand new, and they did. And, and, and Anne Hutchinson, who was this, ultimate Puritan, this godly person who believed she was in touch with God and the spirits and, and started attracting adherents to come to her house and, and, mm -hmm. and preach to them. I mean, the fact that she was a woman was a problem for the sure. dudes who running the colony, but also that, as you're suggesting, I mean, just like, yeah, w we are free to reject the Church of England and the Catholic Church, but you're not free to reject us. We're the real deal. So yeah, that it was it was this early, early uh, example of the of the problem of, of of you know of religious cultism really, and 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 she was pushed out and and ended ignobly. But I I really do think that she I mean I'd known of her as I'd known of many of these 
characters mm-hmm. and histories. But she really strikes me and struck me as as the as the person in that world, in that Puritan world, more than the famous Mathers and the witch burners, witch hangers and all those people, who really is like a a a contemporary charismatic evangelical Christian, you know, and she she would be more recognizable to present day American evangelicals, I think, than these weird, stuffy uh, Puritan dudes. Mm -hmm. She's like a more like an Amy Semple McPherson type character in a way, isn't she? They know exactly what she is. I mean, uh, uh, without the without the media. But yes. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? So is that what makes America so exceptional? We say, okay, American exceptionalism, isn't it supposed to be that, oh, we're a nation blessed by God and blah, 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 blah. We're supposed to set up a theocracy. Like de Tocqueville, he says, actually, what it is, is what really makes America exceptional is the the wealth piece of it. Like you say, the desperation to make money. And then the, they're extremely religious. America has always been hallmarked by just extreme religiosity. Yeah, it has, and 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 of this of this constantly renewing kind of religiosity. And as I actually make the big point in my next book, my subsequent books, Evil Geniuses, this this idea of the new and the constantly renewing America is a good thing. That's that's not a bad yeah. thing. Now, the 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 idea that you know today you invent you know American baptism, then the next day you invent Mormonism, then after that Christian Science, and on and on and on. That is just a, a version of this American idea of just keep reinventing, keep reinventing, mm-hmm. which has its good and bad aspects, you know. But um, yeah, it, it is. It is definitely uh, that is you know it was the new world, and and mm-hmm. and for a long time, in all kinds of different ways, it remained. The mm-hmm. idea was to be new and create the new, improved version of religion or anything else. Yeah, America 2.0 or 3.0, whatever. Exactly. Well, and then revivalism. You talk about the first great awakening, the second great awakening, Cane Ridge and all that. I mean, revivalism is another major hallmark of Americanism, isn't it? That that, that no other nation seems to have caught that sort of fervor. Not then. I mean, now we, we've been yeah. exporting it around the world uh, to a fairly well the last half century, especially. And, 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 and American Pentecostalism is now the up and coming Christian religion in so much of the developing world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, that the, the revivalism, this this I feel the spirit of God in me. I feel the Holy Spirit. I mean, is a very much an American thing. Y- yes, there was an important English dude, George Whitefield, who yeah. came here as one of the the pioneers and founders, and he had done it successfully in England as well. Mm-hmm. But it was in in it, it it really took root in America and that kind of itinerant theatrical preaching that he he specialized mm-hmm. in and kind of invented became the American way of Christian religion. Mm-hmm. And you talk about uh, Jonathan Edwards, because obviously they were contemporaries, weren't they? The first great awakening. The fascinating thing about Edwards that I studied when I did my doctoral thesis was that, you know, he was caught in this thing where like second and third and fourth generation Puritans, they were they were settled in. He was trying to get through to them in a new way, as you say. So he comes up with sinners in the hands of an angry God, those kind of terror sermons. You've got to break through this religious veneer because they're all settled in now and they're they're complacent. <laughs> so this is part of the first and that probably the second great awakening, isn't it? And the third and the fourth and the fifth. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I lost count. How many yeah, iterations? Whatever, whatever the awakening that happened in the late in the 60s and 70s, for instance, you know, yeah, but yes, Jesus indeed, people. it's 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 you. you it's always that, as you say, it's it's you become too complacent to establishment. We've got to we've got to, you know, keep 
you know, uh, going to the line and beyond in terms of mm -hmm. in terms of making it exciting, frankly. Hmm. But then you get to Joseph Smith. I mean, you say in the chapter when you get to Mormonism, you say, man, I could write a whole book on this. This is a this is like the case study, isn't it, of everything we've been talking about. Why can't Joseph Smith claim that he heard from God? He saw Jesus and God in a forest somewhere in upstate New York uh, and that he's got the golden plates and he's invented a whole new religion. And he does. And it works. He's get, he gets followers. <laughs> no. And, and it's it's so extraordinary. I mean, the, that is to say the the as I call it, the fan fiction religion mm -hmm. that he created of, of this whole different, you know, history of what happened, uh, you know, after Jesus's crucifixion and how Jesus showed up again in America and 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 these people that inhabited America. And he, you know, the whole thing <laughs> yeah. is is wild and such to me, among other things, it's everything you say, but it's it's also it shows and it's just historians of religion say exactly this, that that to take off and get traction, religious, so many religious interpretations of nature, reality, history, whatever, have to be exciting, as exciting mm. as great pot boiling fiction, right? right. <laughs> and or, or 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 entertainment or theater. And man, he just he he went over the top. And and the thing about Joseph Smith that I still find so fascinating, and I don't I don't know the answer to this, and I don't think anyone does, is charlatan or true believer or some combination of both mm -hmm. you know and and uh the, the this famous line of his like yeah if, if if i wouldn't believe in me either he said <laughs> you know well you know okay. so so it's all it's hard to know but but it's that it's that uh and and that again is not unique to america that you know does he believe his own bullshit or not thing but it's a very american uh so uh, thing true. Well, you could plug in like an L. Ron Hubbard, Scientology. Did he believe that he was creating not necessarily maybe a new religion at first, a new approach to psychology and mental health, Dianetics? 100%. 100%. As he's supposed to have said, the best way to make a ton of money and get rich is to start a new religion. And I don't know if L. Ron Hubbard actually said that, but it's it's certainly true in America. Well, and, and you know, not that... Uh, you know, Donald Trump is no L. Ron Hubbard or or Joseph Smith. I mean, that's probably treating him too highly. But but, you know, uh, I I've always said about him that it's it's very difficult to parse the lies from the mentally disordered true belief. You mm. know, uh, uh, and or just oh, I'm putting on a show, and and again, those three pieces of Trumpism are similar to the three pieces of Joseph Smith, L. Ron Hubbard, pick your mm -hmm. religion religion inventor, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and the fascinating thing, if you put Mormonism and Scientology side by side, on paper they have nothing in common. However, their backstories is just utterly ludicrous. I mean, Scientology's got Xenu and exploding volcanoes with hydrogen bombs, and it's all science fiction. And Joseph Smith's got, you know, huge civilizations living in South America, Jewish people that escaped and sailed across the, the ocean. I mean come on, there's no evidence, period, whatsoever, archaeologically, historically, for the Book of Mormon. And no, yet, exactly. It, it, and, and and you have something of, of parallels in terms of their histories, right? I mean, mm. that certainly, I mean, Scientology is what, only 70 years old, not even relatively new. But, but starting 30 years ago, let's say, they began, you know, it began getting more legit and, and less but we're we're not you know uh, objecting to the to the religious bigotry against them, 
you know, we'll see, you know, if in 50 or 100 years it, it reaches the play, the legitimate stature that the Church of the mm -hmm. Latter-day Saints has. It could. Yeah. Uh, and again, that, as you say, the preposterousness of the, of, the, of the theology is, you know, is hard to credit. But then again, I, I think about so much of our present day cultural politics in the United States, where lately in, in this Trump Republican Party, it seems as though the willingness to believe in the obviously untrue is is the price of admission, right? Mm -hmm. Th yeah. This election wasn't real, wasn't fair, wasn't yeah, the big lie. Well, that's obviously not true, but you gotta either believe or pretend to believe in it if you want to play in their game. And and it's, you know, I think it's not unlike even in its non in this non-religious form, not unlike what was demanded of. Mormon true believers or Scientologists. That's so true. It's fascinating when you get into the psychology of cults and religions, isn't it? Well, now they say you should never talk about religion and politics, but we got to talk about, you mentioned Trump, but one of the fascinating figures, I mean, there's lots of them in your book, but uh, Ronald Reagan, I mean, that guy, you say he's the first president who was performer as president or president as performer. Here's an actor, former governor of California. He didn't really have a policy, a coherent policy, did he? he? He was great at reading speeches, but if pressed by reporters, he couldn't actually deliver an articulated response, could he? Well, he was, he, he, was, actor. He, was a, he was a great actor, but I, I actually talk about him again in, in this subsequent volume two of my, of my two volume history of America, I guess, Evil Geniuses. Mm. He wasn't as much of a, of a, of a ignorant dolt actor as, as, we tend to think of him. He he actually, I mean, he 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 had read his, you know, uh, libertarian economics, and he 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 had a he had more of an understanding than we give him credit for. No, mm. he wasn't, you know, uh, 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 an intellectual by any means, but he wasn't a total idiot. Which which indeed is why he was so good. I mean, he did he under he wasn't just reading lines that the evil genius. Mm -hmm people parroting, wrote yeah. for him but he was also able to perform the role of a of a winsome charming leader because he had done it dozens of times in the mm. movies it's so fascinating isn't it because he here he goes on vacation he, he's dressed as a cowboy you know and that's such a classic american trope isn't it the western movie americans are the good guys with the gun we we wear the white hats we shoot the bad guys and reagan just says i'm gonna play that character which he'd already played as an well actor. and 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 again and not about his dementia later but even earlier you know as he was you know a, a middle-aged person he he tended to blur what he, the movie's roles he had played with the reality that he'd been like you know he he talked about having served in the war in Europe, well, he served in in the armed forces, but he never left the United States. Right. So, so th this I, th this blurring of fiction and reality, which again, as you know, is a big theme and part of of, of Fantasyland. He he was he was an epitome of that. He would tell stories, war stories that that were actually parts of movies, <laughs> as if and, they actually happened. And, <laughs> and and some of the movies that he hadn't even been in, just movies exactly, he'd seen. Yeah. yeah. Just took lifted a scene from a war movie and told a war story about something that never actually happened except on a screen. I mean, it's just fantasy land blurs into reality. Yeah, exactly. No, oh, and and he told this this story about uh, a kind of mystical ghost-like figure showing up 
you know, at the Constitutional Convention. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, as though it were true. I mean, it's, yeah, the, the, this, this just, I, I'm going to ignore the, the lines between fiction and reality, ha appealed to part of an especially American character. And, and you know, uh, and that was just the beginning. I mean, ba you know, back when Ronald Reagan was president, I mean, we, we, we kind of, this country still had it together in terms of the establishment of, of wise people still being in charge. Um, and then sort of, you know, but within a generation, it was, it was falling apart. It seems like that's the case. And why, why is Reagan so important that he was that first performer as president? So every subsequent president after him has had to fill that type of role in some way. I mean, he got Bill Clinton goes on what Jay Leno with his saxophone and his Ray-Bans and man, that guy's so cool. He's yes. up there playing rock and roll, you know? Yeah. No, what, what's he and, doing and, as and obviously, I mean, when tele television came along and suddenly all politicians, but especially presidents, had to play on television. And Jack mm. Kennedy did it better than Richard Nixon, and he got elected. Right. Maybe literally because of that, given how close that race was in 1960. But then, you know, 20 years later, like, yeah, let's just let's just nominate an actor, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and uh, and 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 that that you know, it was a, it was a it was a it was a thing that was already happening. The kind of merger of show business and and politics, especially presidential politics. But then Reagan like took it off into the stratosphere, hmm. which again, not to always come back to Donald Trump, but similarly, the Republican Party had become this fantasy land party in the 90s and aughts. And then Donald Trump comes along and, and, and grabs that and again, takes it into the stratosphere. So hmm. they are both uh, in that parallel way, they are both symptoms and causes of something hmm. uh, that was, was existing independently of them. Hmm. And as you say, you can see how it entered into the mainstream with a guy like Trump. I remember talking to a, a rabid Trumpist uh, before the 2016 election, and I asked him, you know, why in the world would you vote for a guy like a Trump? And he said, look, he's a successful businessman. We need a good businessman to run this country. And on paper, you think, okay, that might be a, that might be true. But Trump's whole image was based off of his books that he didn't write. The Apprentice, which was a character he was playing on TV, you know, so. He wasn't a successful businessman. He isn't a successful businessman. And, you know, he ran the country into the ground in so many ways. Well, no. And again, as you know, a part of my a big part of my argument in Fantasyland is this is this this kind of total across the board merger over the years, over the centuries, really, of show business in America with everything else, starting with religion and medicine back in the 18th and 19th centuries, but now up to and including politics. So which which is all about entertainingly blurring fiction and reality and and mm. and when it comes to politics is when it gets dangerous when it's when it's just entertainment or just religion or just what whatever that doesn't affect the rest of us fine when it's the public sphere that is where where facts and fiction are, are interchangeable that's when it becomes a problem that's the problem as you say in the book that when fantasy and reality become actually commingled and you can no longer dis distinguish between the two. And in fact, the quote from the book that really encapsulates the thesis, the argument of the book, is as follows. Kurt says, quote, America was created by true believers and passionate dreamers, by hucksters and their suckers, which over the course of four centuries has made us susceptible to fantasy. In other words, 
Mix epic individualism with extreme religion, mix show business with everything else, let all that steep and simmer for a few centuries, run it through the anything-goes 1960s and the internet age, the result is the America we inhabit today, where reality and fantasy are weirdly and dangerously blurred and commingled, end quote. That's from his book, Fantasyland, and I think really that encapsulates the whole argument of what we've been talking about. When we come back from the break, we're going to get into this issue of conspiracy theories and how that relates to the argument of the book, some of the most dangerous things we're seeing right now, especially around this COVID jab, the COVID vaccine, all the conspiracy theories, all the misinformation and the disinformation, especially with this Delta variant, this thing is so dangerous. I was just reading about this the other day when I was doing some research for an article that about 83% of the new cases are this Delta variant and of all the deaths and the sicknesses that are going on in America right now, about 99% of them are among the unvaccinated. And so you have these huge pockets, especially down in the South and certain other red Republican states, for example, where people are refusing to get the COVID jab because they've heard misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy theories and lies, fantasies all around this COVID vaccine, 5G towers and all the rest of it. Bill Gates is putting microchips in the vaccine. It's nuts. And yet it is killing people, literally killing people. And so we're going to get into that in the second half of the conversation. But before we do, I need to take care of some business. I wanted to say a huge thank you to the latest Patreon supporters of Mindship Podcast. I've been busy this week hitting the post office, sending out some really cool little gifts here from North Wales for all those people who support the show on a $5 a month basis. Thank you to Keith McKellar Stewart from Australia and Mark D. Worrell and Call Me Zan. You know who you are. Thank you also to Karen for pledging your support to Mindship Podcast. If you want to support the show, the links to that, as always, are in the show notes. We've got some really cool stuff coming up this summer. We're kind of taking a break on some of the Mindship Zoom calls that we have. We've got actually David Johnson. That episode just came out a few weeks ago talking about the history of the church and racism in America. We're going to put him off till September. We're taking the summer off, but we have a really cool event coming up sometime around the end of August with Frank Schaefer. We're going to be doing a Zoom call with him talking about his new book that's just about to come out. I've been sending out advanced copies to those Patreon supporters who want to be a part of this call with Frank Schaefer. We're going to do a discussion group talking about his new book. That is something that's only available to supporters of the show. So you can be a part of that. There's still time. So that is a really cool thing that's coming up. I'm super excited about meeting up with Frank. We're also going to do a podcast, I think, on that book as well. And then speaking of cool content, I've got Daniel Phelps coming up here next week. The next episode of the show, we talked about his experiences growing up in a cult out of Kansas City, the World Revival Church, and how he survived that. And now he's an activist speaking out against some of the abuses that have gone on. I also had a fascinating discussion with Ryan Stoller. He's a former Christian homeschooler who wrote a lot of articles for the Homeschoolers Anonymous blog, which is now archived. He does a lot of writing on his own site. And so we took a very deep dive into not only the history of homeschooling, the connections to guys like R.J. Rushdooney, the father of Christian Reconstructionism, Dominion Theology, and why Ryan is an activist speaking out against 
the abuses within so much of that community. So look for that episode with Ryan Stoller coming up. And then finally, at some point, I've got my episode with Rachel Bernstein of the Indoctrination Podcast. We did that as a two-part episode. So that's going to be coming out on her platform. And then the second half will be here on Mindship Podcast. So look for that one with Rachel Bernstein. All right, let's get on back into the chat with Kurt Anderson as we continue to look at this issue of fantasy land, this idea of Americans' willingness to believe in the obviously untrue, as Kurt says, and how it relates to conspiracy theories and what happens when fantasy starts to commingle with reality. What about conspiracy theories? How does that fit into your argument? Because you say in the book that it seems like if a conspiracy theory hangs around long enough, it eventually seeps into the mainstream and it becomes actually part of reality in a way, doesn't it? So like the satanic panic now is sort of like QAnon, satanic panic 2.0 in so many ways. Totally. No, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and it's funny about QAnon. Um, uh, You know, it, it emerged like practically the week after this book was published. You know, it's like, wow, you know, here I, I was working on the book, Donald Trump gets elected, poster boy for the book. Then I published the book and a second later, uh, QAnon yeah, uh, and everything. Uh, uh, sort of uh, exemplifying so much of what I talk about comes out. Yeah, conspiracy theories, again, not unique to America. Uh, and, and and in fact, weren't, I would say, historically as, as a huge problem. They became problems and lasted for the periods of wars, right? I mean, mm. uh, you know, right after the American Revolution, the French were going to come and, or the British were going to come and, you know, and we got to watch out for those conspiracies of Europeans. But then it died away. Or uh, leading up to the Civil War, the, the various conspiracy theories about Abraham Lincoln and so forth. Mm-hmm. World War I, uh, World War II. I mean, conspiracy theories kind of naturally and organically accompanied war, mm-hmm. but they would die away. Then uh, we got into this Cold War where there was never a, a war between the Soviet Union or China and the United States. So it was just this ongoing communist era to get us. And of course, mm-hmm. that was, I'm not diminishing the problem of these big tyrannical uh, sure. countries that were communists, but it, it, it got it, generation after generation of, of people growing up and, and, and thinking of the communist conspiracy and all of its evil ways, just uh, kind of habituated Americans to be to think in those terms, and it never went away. And then when it did go away, which is to say, when the, when China became our our you know lenders of first resort and and our mm. buddies in the capitalist system, and the Soviet empire collapsed, well, what what are we going to do now for our how where so that 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 kind of anti-communist conspiracy habit of mind uh, found all these new conspiracies, whether it's, you know, the conspiracy of vaccines that cause autism or the conspiracy of the new world order or or on and on and on. There was this this kind of this hunger yearning for, again, like religion, exciting fictional explanations for things Mm -hmm. that had to find somewhere to apply themselves. And and here we are with, you know, conspiracy of the week or the year under under Donald Trump and QAnon, um, you know, he, he got into politics. Again, I, I keep just defaulting back to Donald Trump. I can't help myself. But, um, you know, the, the, the whole birther conspiracy, this idea that that mm. um, President Obama was not born here and was not and there was a cover up of his yeah, true Kenyan birth, Muslim. all that stuff. 
was just an, a, a conspiracy theory. And, 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 you know, and that worked for a while and worked to get him into politics. And, you know, along with the Muslim Brotherhood taking over the Washington government. I mean, again, they are, the, once you have that conspiracy mindset, as now a large fraction of one of the two major political parties does, you know, it doesn't need to be a coherent or stable uh, conspiracy theory. It, it's just, we are conspiracy theorists and, oh, this new one comes along and this, as you say, the satanic panic 2.0, great, we'll do that. It, it, yeah. it's, it, and you have the internet, which of course is a big part of this story, yeah, um, That's huge. enabling this collective authorship of the conspiracies. It's not just one book that becomes the, the treatise and the basis for a conspiracy theory. It becomes all of us, all of us believers are in it together and tapping away all day, uh, inventing new twists and turns in the conspiracy mm -hmm. story. Well, even Q himself or herself, whoever this Q is, in a way, it's like he's a modern day prophet, isn't he? Predicting what's going to happen. He's the new Joseph Smith. He's the new L. Ron Hubbard. He's the new David Koresh, whatever. And well, and, and even and the new twist is that he's he or she is anonymous. So it's it's the yeah. Wizard of Oz. Never yeah. behind the curtain. Behind and the makes curtains. it more like, whoa, this is like <laughs> this is kind of a godlike character. You know, it is. Yeah. It's like prophecies. The Q drops. And the, the followers have to parse them just like the Bible. You interpret them and try to understand them and make pre, sense pre, of them. Priesthood of all believers. Yeah. It's, yeah. And so you got that same dynamic as a guy like Smith, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, Christian science, any number of uh, religions that were invented by someone who claimed to hear from something, supernatural powers or whatever, the dynamic. And then you got the cult followers. It's it's become a QAnon cult now, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's, 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 it is remarkable. Uh, and and uh, and and frightening and uh, and yes and and I and I feel myself like a prophet having prophesied this <laughs> having written this book and have it come out but uh, yeah it's not it's not it's not a pretty picture and, it, and it's hard unlike you know uh, other huge problems we have climate crisis or or inequality or whatever those are fixable right those, those mm. are that we they, they that we, we we could fix those by with the right policies and the right technology and the rest this i don't know i don't it, mm. it just may be it was so as i write in the book right it was so deep in the dna and now it has exploded in this so it's a chronic condition that became has become this acute condition can we roll it back to a well-controlled chronic condition i don't know I don't know either. A lot of people are, that's the big question. Is it coming off the back of four years of Trumpism? Can you even have a, a reasonable dialogue with a, a mega person, a QAnon adherent? It's it's almost impossible. Maybe it is impossible. Can the divide, you know, be ever healed in America, the, the religious and political divide? I don't know. No, I, I, I don't either. And, and, you know, I look at, you know, uh, historical potential precedents of, of mass deprogramming. Germany hmm. after the war, right? That was yeah. that, that was pretty successful, but it 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 required a crushing defeat of the yeah. of the believers, right? And you know, again, it's an analogy, not the same thing. But looking at our civil war, you know, it was a def military defeat, but like, you know, just it was a kind of fifteen-year timeout. You know, and then like, yeah, let's do let's do Jim Crow and, and, and go back to more or less the way we were. So so to have a, a a healthy cleansing deprogramming moment like in Germany or Japan after World War Two, I don't know if we can get there 
I'm not saying without a civil war, but I don't know if we can get there. And and mm. uh, and and it's because it's it becomes this matter, this kind of this faith like belief that isn't even religious, but becomes uh, inextricable from a kind of religious way, religious faith. It's mm. faith in in one's own feelings or faith in what Donald Trump said or faith in this thing you saw on the Internet. Yeah. Well, and as you say, look at the Nuremberg trials, as I understand the history of it, part of the reason they wanted to have a pub, a very public trial of all these key leaders was that they wanted to make sure their crimes were on full display. There was no, no way you could not say, well, they were just following orders. No, they were the ones, the architects of the final solution and all that. And it was publicly put on, they were publicly put on trial for that very reason. So you got Donald Trump, you know, he's being investigated by everyone left, right and center, but of course he's innocent. He's, he is a witch hunt, you know, and all the rest of it. Right. Well, now it's interesting too. You talk about the fantasy industrial complex. I'm very interested in this because it seems like this, uh, this argument that you have not only has there's been this, you know, magical thinking and everything else, there's an entire industry that has sprung up to feed those fantasies. So if you want to do cosplay or civil war reenactment, or you're into big time wrestling, or the list is endless, there's a whole industry there that will sell you all the paraphernalia you need to live out your fantasy. Right. And that, and that's just the most specific kind of fantasy industry specific version of it. But, and, and each of those on their own are, as I say in the book, are, 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 are relatively benign. I mean, that's mm -hmm. fine. I don't have any problem with people doing cosplay or civil war reenactments or the rest. But when it becomes so kind of promiscuous and profligate and everywhere, it, it becomes of a piece with this same uh, kind of will to blur fiction and reality. Um, um, you know, it, it's, it's not a coincidence that the, that part of the, the, the LARPing and cosplaying and again, and, and, and game video game playing and all the rest sure. came to be and came to be so ubiquitous and huge as a set of industries at the same time this other stuff in religion and politics and 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 pseudoscience and all the rest were happening you know it, it, it is it is it, it's all a history of the last 50 years mm. all right well last question i know you got to get going but I'm, I'm curious to find out you talked about thomas jefferson's quote if it doesn't pick my pocket or break my leg but you say toward the end of the book, what happens when fantasy does become commingled with reality? Does it come to a point when it is dangerous? Like, for example, you could say, OK, these militia groups, they're believing in a fantasy. They think the government's going to come take their guns and take all their rights. So they're out in the woods in North Idaho or wherever they're training. They've got all sorts of weapons. That's a fantasy. However, that then morphed into the January 6th insurrection. We saw the Proud Boys, we saw the Oath Keepers, we saw the Three Percenters, or people who say, you know, vaccines cause autism, so I'm not going to get my child vaccinated, then the kid dies or gets a vaccine-preventable disease. You know, so the fantasy then becomes, it morphs into reality. You know, what? how do you see that going forward? Do we see any sort of solution for this sort of magical thinking? Well, and, and on top of those things, which you mentioned, of course, we right now ha are dealing with in certain parts of the country, uh, such incredible politicized vaccine resistance on the COVID yeah. vaccine that, you know, uh, you know, people are are 30 percent or 35 percent of the population is vaccinated there instead of 60 or 70 in the other parts of the country. So, no, it's a real problem. Um, and as I say, I mean, I don't have 
you know, here's my seven ways to, to right. stop Bullet this. points. Uh, you know, it, it is, I, I really, other than, you know, people like you and people like me using whatever platforms they have to say, listen, we're not saying you have to be a liberal or a this or a that. We're just saying you got to do your best to stick to the facts and empirical reality. And then we can argue all day long about solutions to problems or what kind of country we should have or whatever. But but if 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 we can't share a reality, um, then, you know, we can't really operate a community or a country together. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and 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 that is either, you know, doing podcasts or just telling your crazy brother in law that his cockamamie ideas about, you know, George Soros putting and Bill Gates putting yeah, microchips, microchips in vaccines is yeah. just not true. You know, uh, and so, you know, I feel it's like one of these things like like a like a slow rising sea hmm, to take an example ah. of something else that is denied by right. by Climate crazy people. Um, but but that you can stop it. You can you can you can't maybe you know, turn it back and, 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 and make the age of enlightenment reborn anytime soon. Yeah. But I think we have a chance here and there uh, to do the best we can to, to stop it from going crazy. Because part of the fantasy industrial complex beyond the, you know, cosplay -y parts that you mentioned and we talked about is, is big media companies, the cable companies, these, you know, big, mm. uh, all, doing whatever they need to do to make a buck, including on the History Channel, having big documentaries about mermaids and gargoyles and- <laughs> Angels and demons. You know, yeah. exactly. And, and, and so it's up to everybody, and especially those kinds of corporate entities, which are responsive to public pressure, um, to, to cut it out and, and, and not give uh, legitimacy to, to nonsense. I mean, mm. as we see Fox News doing dangerously in this country. Um, and and uh, so things can be done. I, I am not, you know, there, there aren't silver bullets because again, no. the point of the book is that, you know, we've had this in our bloodstream for a long time and, and uh, we're not about to be cured of it. It was, it was as I say, a chronic condition under control. Um, <laughs> and maybe we can get it under control again, but it's not going away. It's well, and as you say, that your book is a, a classic case study, isn't it? Here's a, here's an example: they deplatformed Trump from Twitter and Facebook because he was spreading outright blatant lies, conspiracy theories, so fantasies, fantasy land. Uh, what does he do? They just go create another platform. They can go over to Parler. They can go to Telegram. They can go somewhere else. So something else just pops up. There's one American news network. If, if Fox News isn't extreme enough for you. Go to Newsmax, go to OAN, go somewhere true, else. Go on true, true. And it is, you know, all things in life are, all bad things in life are whack-a-mole. But whack-a-mole gets too, uh, a bad a bad rap in this, in this sense. Because, yes, you can go elsewhere, but for better and very much for worse, we have monopolies like Facebook. And so if you can get him off Facebook... You've dealt with a lot of the problem. I mean, you know, yeah. there, there was a study done right after he was deplatformed from Twitter and Facebook showing that, in fact, the just mentions of voter fraud, big lie, all that stuff dropped by 70, more than 70 percent in a week mm -hmm. or two. Now, so which is to say and you don't want to get become then, you know, a, a, a enlightened fascist uh, uh, drowning out free speech. But there are ways it sh that showed me that 
no, you can't make it go back to, you know, perfect, reasonable, happy days again, if it ever was, but yeah. you can deal with it. There are ways to regulate it and deal with it. And, 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 and uh, you know, as I talk about in Evil Geniuses, this other book, you know, we used to think that there was a role for government to, to regulate things. We had a fairness doctrine. We had an FCC mm -hmm. that tried to weigh in and not have profanity or untruths or whatever on television and radio. Well, you know, there, there are ways to do it. And, and we kind of went overboard the last 40 years or so in saying, nope, government has no role in anything. It's every, it's a, every man for himself. It's Wild West. Well, mm -hmm. you know, now we have this whole new set of conditions, thanks to the Internet and Fantasyland exploding, which are two ways of saying the same thing, I mm -hmm. guess. Uh, and we have to figure out ways to try to try to get the get the get the river back between the banks because it's flooded, you know. Yeah, as you say, there's that reality-based community. I mean, look at what happened to Rudy Giuliani. You know, he's been he's been stripped of his law license in a couple of states for promoting lies, fantasies, conspiracy theories, and now Sidney Powell and some of the others are on the hook. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well. But is it a corrective? We don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, and 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 that's such an interesting case too. Is it is. is 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 he is he nuts or crazy like a fox or some combination <laughs> yeah. of both? I, I I can't tell I you. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Well, I know you got to get going. I'm just thinking too. Um, I haven't read your book, Evil Geniuses, but now it sounds like it's sort of a sequel to Fantasyland. I would love to talk to you again if you can make some time. Uh, at another date, I'll read the book. How about that? I'll make you a deal. I'll buy the book. I'll read it. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you're cool if you, to, it, to chat if, again, if like to. we'll do it again. Sure. If it's in your wheelhouse, love to. And uh, the paperback Absolutely. The paperback in both the UK and the US is is, is about to come out. So uh, Very good. yeah, happy to, happy to return if you want me. Okay. Thank you so much, Kurt. I know you got to go. Uh, I've absolutely enjoyed talking to you and loved your book. I hope people that haven't read Fantasyland definitely pick it up. Great. Thanks. Okay, thank you very much. Take care.